As we go through the message today, you'll probably understand a little bit more perfectly why Jamie chose the songs that we sang this morning, uh, because their message goes uh, very closely with what I would like to preach about. First, I'd like to welcome all of our guests that we have here today. We're very grateful to have you here. Uh, hope that you could make this a habit of just meeting with us and worship with us on the Lord's Day. Our senior minister is uh, on his first day of vacation this summer. And uh, so he's gone, and uh, you got me, sorry. <laughs> okay, now this is going to be a difficult message. There's a whole lot that I've tried to condense, tried to get the major points and everything. Uh, but it's, it's very, very important, and I hope that you can grasp not only the importance of it, but understand it a little bit more fully so that God can use this in our lives. Now, we heard uh, last Sunday a really good message on our responsibility with the Great Commission. And we all know this is part of our purpose, our reason for being here. And yet, I would dare say that you are like me in many instances, uh, as I was first starting out in Christ, and even now occasionally. I, I, I know that there's someone that I should talk to about the Lord, and yet, there's opposition there, you know, to be obedient and do this. And, and I know who's doing it. He's not going to reveal himself, but Satan's going to want to keep me from it. And, and I'll, I'll come up with all kinds of imaginary fears, you know, about why I shouldn't do it at this time and try and rationalize and justify, you know, that uh, no, it probably wouldn't. I, they might ask a question that I don't know the answer to. And I'd be kind of embarrassed about that. And also, what if I don't say the right things or say the things in the right way that I should? And what if they're offended? I don't want this to ruin my relationship with them. I don't want them to think me weird and all of this. And so what do I do? Remain silent and just justify it and say, well, it probably wasn't a good time, but that's just my way of thinking about it. But you know, we're, we're living in times where it's becoming more difficult to witness because we have people now that uh, we, we have so much hatred, so much violence. And, and it's not just against Christianity, although there's a big part of it that is that. There's now hatred and violence because of racism, political differences, uh, just uh, personal opinions about things, politics, all, all of this. And the problem is, is that this hatred, this violence is increasing. And that will strike a little bit of fear into us as well. Now, we are not immune from all of this suffering that's going on. We, we see it, it breaks our heart and everything. And, and we have our own problems. But how are we going to react to that in a way that really honors God and accomplishes His purpose for us in all of this? It's interesting to know that uh, George Barna conducted a poll not long ago uh, and was asking people, if you could ask God one question and be assured that He would give you an answer, what is the one question that you would like to ask? And the overwhelming majority of the response was, why is there so much evil and suffering in this world? You know, in addition to the hatred and the violence, 
There's also a lot of tragedies that occur. Countless hundreds lose their lives. And the, the distribution of these tragedies and the degree of these tragedies uh, are entirely random. And so it seems so unfair. And we're even asking, why? Why? And then we all have our own little tragedies and our own little sufferings that, that we go through. How are we reacting to that? Are we reacting to that in a way that it will help us grow spiritually and that it will help us have a fruitful witness for Christ? You know, we Christians know we're in spiritual warfare. And even though it's hard for us, it's harder for us when it comes to us and to our loved ones. And so we're, we're really confused and we think, but we're God's children and God is all powerful. Why does he let this happen? Why me? Why, why do I have to? I should be exempt as a child of God. Unfortunately, that is so far from the truth because we are not exempt. Suffering is a way of life for us. It will come one way or another. Now, the reason that it's important for us and to how we react in our suffering is because in all of the problems that the world is facing, Christ is the answer. The gospel is the solution. Bringing people to salvation in Christ will solve the problems. But people are going to be looking to us and say, okay, you're a Christian. How are you handling this? And I think we really need to understand and be able to give a good answer. It's important that we understand God's purpose in suffering. Otherwise, we weaken our faith and we prevent God's purpose in suffering from really being accomplished. Now, how we handle sufferings, tragedies, disappointments, death can negatively affect our spiritual growth and negatively affect our witness. Or this could be the great source of spiritual growth for us. And this could possibly lead us to our most fruitful witness for Christ because we understand and we can explain these things. But I want to ask you, do you really want God to use your witness? Because that's, that's the first key. Do you really want it? If so, then it's important that you trust, that you be obedient, even when you don't understand. We have to believe God is in control. God is all-powerful. God has a purpose. And we need to trust him and trust his wisdom in this. A prominent Christian author named Larry Waters said this, blessing is promised and experienced, but suffering is never eliminated. In fact, the normal life of a person who follows the Lord involves both blessing and suffering. And we say, but why me? It's unjust. And that doesn't help our witness. Now, what do we tell ourselves in times like this? Are we listening to the wrong one? Because Satan will try to discourage us. He'll try to defeat us. He'll try to lead us astray. He'll try to lead us to doubt. 
God's not going to do that. Who are you listening to? Now, John wanted me to talk about search, uh, witnessing in the workplace. Well, actually, we, we can talk about that because that's probably where you have most of your influence. It's the people that you work with day in, day out. So that's important. But this occurs, this applies to all of life, home, neighborhood, wherever you are. We Christians are always being watched. And suffering can occur. Now, when I talk about suffering, I, I want you to just envision, okay, this is how I suffer. This is what bothers me. This is how I hurt. And it could be different for each and every one of us. But we're still talking about the same thing. You see, when we face, when we try to stand up for Christ and have a witness, especially in the workplace, we can be ostracized. We're not like everybody else. We don't laugh at the jokes they tell. We don't do the things that they do. And, and so we can be passed over for promotion, even though we may surpass others in integrity and dependability. So how do we react? People are going to be watching and say, how'd they handle that? Oh, so you're a Christian, huh? You're doing okay, huh? You like that? They want to know. They don't understand, but they're looking to you but they want to watch you fall so they can be justified in saying, well, they're no better than we are. I don't think that faith is really real and life-changing for them. The problem is, is that too often we look at suffering from our own perspective and forget what God sees from His vantage point and from His purpose in the suffering. You see, we define what ought to be in relation to what's good for us in terms of our health and our happiness. God defines what's good for us in terms of what makes us more like Jesus. And how's he going to help us to develop that? Now, when we don't understand why our suffering comes, we should just trust that God is working behind the scenes and that our suffering has some hidden purposes that maybe we don't see, but we will one day, even if not in this life. God is wise. God has a plan. God is working. We need to trust that. Suffering in this life is part of life. In fact, it's our God-given destiny. Suffering will come. And so we owe it to God. We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to all those around us. Prepare for it. Handle it in a way that glorifies God. Now, I want to remind you of several scriptures here. And we're going to go through these pretty fast. So I want you to hang on tight and stay with me. Because in addition to the, these sufferings that we've been talking about, we as Christians also, in addition to all of these illnesses, disease, tragedies, and death, are going to face persecution. It's inevitable. Now, am I just being all gloomy and negative? No. Because Jesus predicted this. The last night that he was with his apostles, he says, remember what I told you. A servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. He also said, blessed are you 
When people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, the Apostle Paul affirms this also. In his letter to Timothy, he wrote this. He says, in fact, as a matter of fact, everyone, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We have enemies in this world. Now, as we read about these great examples of faith in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, We've got to remember that none of them had an easy life. They all faced trials and difficulties of many kinds, but they held on to their faith, and they were obedient in doing what God said to do. Why? Well, it's explained in the first part of that chapter, that faith is a matter of believing that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do we understand that grace, uh, that trusting God for the grace to endure suffering is just as much an act of faith in trusting him for deliverance from it? You see, God's faithful in both, but he encourages us to look beyond the trials and the suffering and to trust him because there's a reward for our faith and for our obedience. And knowing this, I love what the Apostle Paul said. He faced all kinds of difficulties in his ministry, but this is what he said, and, and this is the part where he says, you know, we're knocked down but not out and, and things like this. He follows that up by saying this, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Now how did he feel about all this suffering, suffering and persecution? He says this, for our light and momentary troubles, wow, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, we fix our eyes on Jesus, not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, when we lock our eyes on our own problems, on our cancer, our arthritis, our fibromyalgia, our diabetes, our disability, whatever, and we spend our days just rehearsing the death of a loved one and just refuse to be comforted and refuse to go on, what happens is this, we begin to interpret life in a very negative way. And we just live then in a darkness, a wilderness, and what it will lead to is self-pity and bitterness. And there goes our witness. Now, many complaints that we have against our Creator usually go something like this. God, you don't get it! <laughs> and I think Christ's suffering says something different. Christ's suffering says back to us, no, actually, I do get it. It's you who don't get it. God could also say this, I have an intimate understanding of what it is to be in your place. He came here, lived among us, 
was tempted in all points like as we are. And he says, I have an intimate understanding of what it's like. You have no clue what it's like to be in my place. If you'd experienced Gethsemane or that road to Golgotha or all the horrors and pain of the cross, then you would understand and never question my love for you. How much better it is when we focus on Christ because his suffering was far greater than ours will ever be. Now some people can't believe that God would create a world in which the peoples would suffer so much. But isn't it remarkable that God would create a world in which no one suffers as much as he does. And he suffers for us because of his love for us. We need to understand that when the tough times come. Whenever we're tempted to ask God, why did you do this to me? Then we need to look at the cross and say, why did you do this for me? And then we'll begin to understand his love. When you feel that God's being silent and absent, look at the outstretched arms of Christ on that cross and focus on his wounds, not yours. Because he shouts to us without even opening his mouth, I do care. Don't you see the blood, the bruises, the gashes, whatever you may think, never doubt. I care for you. And that helps us when we're undergoing suffering. Now he knows suffering and temptation from firsthand experience. And I want you to listen to this list of scriptures from Hebrews here. Because God calls us to home firmly to our faith precisely because we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are. And because he himself suffered when he is tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And then he concludes by saying, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And the apostle Peter carries this on and adds this instruction. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you and leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. But let's go back to sharing Christ with others then in the workplace and in all of life. We need to understand this, that perseverance and spiritual growth that God intends to develop for our suffering or in our suffering is not just for us, okay? It's not. Uh, God can use our suffering to display his work in our life and how we're being changed and transformed. And then he can also, uh, he's also able then to, to use this to, dis, uh, to make Jesus visible to the rest of the world. You see, suffering creates 
a, a sphere of influence, an expanded sphere of influence that we couldn't otherwise have. I, I think, I know several instances, but because this is familiar to us, I just want to use the, the Wright family and, and Joshua and Angela and their family with everything that they're going through with Elliot. And some of you have had people in your family too that, that have suffered. And what has it done? I think one day we ought to just open it up and say, okay, Josh, tell us how many people you got to know that you otherwise never would have met and how many new people you had an opportunity to share your belief in Christ and your belief in God because of Elliot. Now, would we have picked this? No. But what I'm saying is regardless of the suffering that we go through, God can use this. And it's not just for us. It just expands our whole sphere of influence to where we can witness for God in a much greater way. And how we handle suffering tells our story and it validates our witness as genuine if we suffer in a way that glorifies God because suffering gives us a way to credibly demonstrate the love of Christ and the more we become like Jesus through growth in suffering the more he expands our ministry and the more we are able to minister to others and here's the thing how are you going to minister to other people who are going through suffering if every time it comes to you, you fall apart and you start whining and complaining and your faith just goes out the window? But you see, what you're learning through your suffering and through your spiritual growth, God's going to use that for you to help others. How we believers deal with suffering is a primary witness to God's goodness, His justice, His grace, and not only to the sufferer, but to the whole non-believing world. God is going to comfort us in our time of suffering. That's another thing we need to realize. He will, He will, He will comfort us during our time of suffering because God doesn't want to grow us through suffering just for our sake. He wants us to be able to share and minister comfort to others. Listen real closely to this scripture. Paul explains it like this. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. And he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. And then he goes on and he says, when they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Wow. And then he says, for the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with comfort through Christ. So how are we going to handle suffering? Well, we want to endure it as though it's part of our serving Christ. And during our times of suffering, when life is difficult, nothing's going the way that we want, and we want a lighter load, and we want to give up, we need to ask ourselves this question, who am I serving? Am I just living for me, for what I want? Or am I living for God and for what he wants? Jesus asked his disciples at one point in his ministry, who do you say that I am? It's a good question we need to ask ourselves. 
Who do you say that he is? Is he the all-powerful, the all-knowing? Is he in control? Does he care? Is he going to use this for our good? Who do you say that he is? Because others are watching you, and they'll know if you're living to satisfy yourself and your desires, your goals, your purposes, or are you living for Christ? Now, here's some things that we need to understand about suffering more. And I want you to follow along as we tie all this together because this is going to help it make a little bit more sense. You see, Jesus himself understood God's purpose in suffering because he asked the question to his disciples. He says, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and and then enter into his glory? It had a purpose first, suffering before the glory. It was God's will that Jesus identify fully with us and experience the suffering that we go through and even experience the suffering that we go through after we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior and when the persecution really begins to come. Because Hebrews says again, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. He couldn't be a good savior unless he knows what we're going through and can help us to overcome that. Now here's the thing, and I'm trying to state it real simply. The destiny of the people of God, as you read this through the scripture, they've never had it easy, have they? They have faced trial after trial, suffering after suffering. The destiny of God's people was Christ. To leave heaven and not cling to his being like God in every way, but to come to earth as a servant, being found in the same form as we are, and subject himself to all of this. And then, after proving faithful in the things that he suffered, then he enters into his glory. Okay? Now, Christ's destiny of our going into his glory and sharing that with him is just sort of the opposite. We get our vindication after our suffering as well. We clear? Now listen, there's some other scriptures that are hard to accept. This is why Peter wrote, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Paul also explains that our salvation is conditional upon our being willing to suffer for the Lord that we serve. Listen to his words. He says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If, catch that? If, and here's the rest of the sentence. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Now does this change our mind about our being willing to suffer? It's going to work for our good. 
And so Peter wrote this. He said, so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their creator and continue to do good. These verses explain very clearly the concept that suffering can be God's will for us and in many instances is God's will. And I want us to understand this too. God doesn't always expect us to try to pray away our suffering. Maybe we should be praying, God, how can you use this for your glory? How can you use this for me? How can you use this for others? It's a different way of looking at it. But it's a very important way to look at it. Peter also wrote this. Well, let me just go on. We're running out of time here. I don't want us to feel like at any point that we are singled out. Well, God's just punishing me for this or that. Now, God does sometimes punish us, granted. A lot of times we're the victim of suffering, not because it's our fault. It's unjust. But we will go through suffering. There will be persecution. That's a given. That's definite. But, but here's, here's what God is saying through all of this. He says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. It's not just us. Now, there's one other mindset that we need to develop towards suffering uh, as we try to serve Christ. And this is, you, you heard him said, blessed are you, rejoice, and things like this. We need to develop the mindset of taking joy in being faithful and obedient and not giving up, but trusting, seeking his will in all of these things. In the fifth chapter of Acts, you know that the apostles were arrested, taken before the Sanhedrin, and they were given strict orders, you're not to preach or teach anymore in the name of Christ. How did they handle that? They said, we need to obey God rather than man. Infuriated them all the more so that they, they flogged them and then released them and gave them orders again not to even speak in the name of Jesus. What was their reaction to all of this? Gee, I didn't think we'd have to suffer like this if, for following Christ. We're just trying to do good, make the world a better place. If you read that chapter and that verse in the book of Acts, it says this, that they rejoiced because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Wow. Wow. Now, Paul also suffered. You can read about his in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. Flogged many times, beaten with rods many times, stoned, left for dead, all of these things. And he lists all of the sufferings that he's gone through. And yet in his letter to the Colossians, he says, I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I'm participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. And here's why. In Philippians, in his letter to the Philippians, he said, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And the third one, the first time I heard this after becoming a Christian, really threw me. Because the third thing he says he wanted, and participation in his sufferings. Wow. 
but God is glorified when we do. And we grow when we do. And it's part of our condition. If we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. Now, David Livingston, all of you have heard him, a missionary real famous over in Africa. And he suffered all kinds of things. I could list a lot of things there. And someone made the, made the comment to him one time. They, they, they just said, oh, you have sacrificed so much to work for God. You know what he said? He said, sacrifice? The only sacrifice is to live outside the will of God. Because then you're sacrificing everything. You'll be lost. Someone else said, well, how were you able to endure? And he quoted the promise of Christ in the Great Commission, who said, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It's only when we regard suffering as servanthood, as our calling, as Jesus did, that we will have the ability then to face it as he did. And that's why it says in Hebrews, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And Peter also says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving for you an example that you should follow in his steps. So brethren, we dare not give up regardless of what we face. We've got to be obedient. We've got to trust God and submit to what he's wanting to do in and through our lives, whether it's through suffering or blessing. Satan wants to destroy our faith, and he'll usually try to do that through suffering. God desires to refine our faith. And when people lose their faith because of suffering, it really wasn't a faith worth keeping, was it? It didn't survive, help you survive and go through anything. You lost it. You gave up. Genuine faith will be tested, and it will withstand the test. False faith will be lost. Now, here's one question that I want all of us to ask ourselves. It's important. We know, we believe, we are nearing the second coming of our Lord. And according to all of the prophecy in the Scripture, the persecution is going to get worse and worse and worse the closer that we come. So the question I want us to ask ourselves is this. If your faith isn't strong enough now to be obedient, how are you going to survive when the real tests come? Will that faith be lost then? Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, it says, arm yourselves with the same attitude. James wrote this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work 
so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. And Paul said this, and not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. And all of that suffering that we go through will just serve to make us stronger and accomplish purposes that God has that we may not even see or know about or understand at this point. So, regardless of what we suffer, God can use it. And he wants to use it. And suffering produces qualities that otherwise we would never develop. How do you grow in the good times when your faith is never tested? No, we need to accept it because suffering brings us into a deeper, deeper intimacy with God. So we can give thanks in everything precisely because we have God's promise that in everything he works for our good, right? I love the way that Paul said that. He didn't say, hey, guys, there, there's a chance, a possibility, little, it just might work out that God is going to use our suffering. Now he says this. He says, we know, we know that in all things, God works for our good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We can count on that. Now, suffering may be painful. <laughs> In fact, I say it, yeah, that's why we call it suffering, isn't it? But God has a higher good that it's intended for. And it may be to remove something like pride, selfishness, or other characteristics that cloud the, the image of Christ or the, the reflection of Christ within us. We all know about Michelangelo's famous statue of David, beautiful work, but do you know that that used to be just one large hunk of stone? How did it get to be so beautiful? The master sculptor just began to work and cut away everything that would not reflect his perception of the beauty of David. Now John wrote a song about that, some of you remember that song, Chipping Away. It says, chipping away everything that doesn't look like Jesus. And that's what God likes to do in our suffering times, is remove those characteristics that we have within us that just don't look like Jesus at all. Now, based on what God has given us in Christ, can we be sure that he'll help us during this time? I want to read one other promise to you says this, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? But will ever separate us from God's love. Paul says this in the eighth chapter of Romans, lists all kinds of things that could happen in this world. He says, no, none of these will ever separate us from God's love. And then Jesus himself said this, never will I leave you or forsake you. So what do we do? We cast all of our anxiety upon him. 
because we know he cares for us. He loves us. He's proved that. He's trying to make us more of what we need to be. So don't quit. Don't give up. God has greater things in store for you through your suffering. I hope that this has not been so negative. Why couldn't you say something encouraging? I'm hoping that some of these scriptures were encouraging to you because they explain so much about why we go through what we go through. But what I wanted to do is this. We understand suffering first, glory later. Now what do you want? You want your glory here? Suffering later? Your choice. It's all about how we decide are we living for him or not. So I'd like for you then, you know, John always likes to close the message with, uh, okay, I will. I will do what? If God's been speaking to you about maybe you're, you're, you're not willing, haven't been willing to participate in the sufferings of Christ. You're just trying to protect your own little world here. Maybe you need to write an I will statement. I, I will trust. I will be obedient. I will do the things God's calling me to do. I realize I might suffer, but I know where it will ultimately end with him forever and ever. Once you just be praying about your life, invitation is always open to someone who wants to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe you want to place membership with this congregation and join us in our ministry here in Kingston. Whatever, you know that this time is open. If you'd like to come forward, loan to come forward for prayer, want to come forward to share a decision. So we stand and sing.